you have your Bible, as we look into this afternoon, uh, we're going to walk through this psalm. Uh, the psalm primarily talks about uh, praising the Lord. Uh, the title of uh, the sermon to this afternoon, and I don't even remember, I, don't, I may not have even done a PowerPoint for tonight. I don't think I did. Thank you for reminding me that I did not. So we get to listen the old school way. Uh, um, uh, but have you ever had a task or project at school, at school or work that once you finished it, uh, you got really excited about it? Uh, I know I have, and you wanted to tell people about it. You wanted to, uh, to talk about you wanted to go home and let your parents know how good of a job you did. I know Chloe comes home with her her uh, report card uh, and she gets all excited about uh, showing it to me uh, and I tell her how horrible no i 'm just joking um, and uh, just uh, she gets excited about telling telling me something um, you know every Sunday we gather together as a church and we worship the Lord we worship together we sing praises. Uh, we rejoice in the teaching and the preaching of God's Word. And so the question before us this afternoon is simple. Is, are we, is, is really an, a question of, is celebrating God's works and commands our passion? You kind of, this is dovetailing a little bit with this morning. But specifically, we're going to focus on the idea of, of just praising God. Uh, and how, how often in our life, how much of our life uh, is, is really praising, just praising the Lord and, and speaking the praises of God. Uh, you know, and so this afternoon we're going, to, we're going to look at that. And so our main truth uh, this afternoon is that the righteous live passionately and publicly praising God. Or that's probably a bad way of phrasing that, but really what I want to get at is that we need to be passionately, passionate about praising the Lord. We need to be passionate about not just praising the Lord, but praising the Lord publicly. And, and this passage of Scripture really it talks about the psalmist here praising the Lord publicly. How many of us find it easy to praise the Lord privately, right? And, and hopefully we all do as Christians, that we take time to praise the Lord individually after, after our devotional time, and, and we take time to just rehearse to the Lord and, and, and recite to the Lord just praises to Him for what he's done, how he's maybe challenged us through our devotions that morning and our, our God and I time is what I like to call it. And just praising the Lord for it, praising the Lord for maybe the blessings uh, that, that morning even. Or maybe you've gone through half your day and, and it's lunch and you pull out your phone or you have a Bible with you and, and you pull that out and you just read a verse or two or you remember a verse from what you read that morning or things that the Lord is doing in your life and the Lord brings those things to your mind. The Spirit of God brings certain things that He's doing in your life and, and you just take time to just praise the Lord. It's, it, we do that on an individual basis a lot of times privately, but how often, how passionate are we about doing it publicly? Like how much does just telling people about what God is doing and not in an arrogant way or, oh, look at what God's doing for me. No, not that way, but more of, Look at what God is doing. Look at how God is working. Look at, look at what he showed me in my devotional life. Look at what he showed my, and, and maybe it's 
talking about an individual that you've been giving the gospel to and you're, and you're praising the Lord that this person just got saved or we've made a couple more steps towards him understanding what the gospel is and, and looking at all the blessings of God and, and, and just talking about God, really publicly just praising God and, and lifting him up. It's, you know, it's, I find it easy for myself when it comes to the athletic world to, to praise athletics, you know, to talk about athletics. And, and just to, to let, be excited about saying, oh, this person is the greatest, or this person, you know, look at what he accomplished, and, and really giving worth to those individuals. It's very easy for me to, to find myself doing that. Is it easy for us to just talk about God in, in a way that brings him honor and glory? And so we're going to walk through this psalm. It's only 10 verses. Um, I plan on, I, I don't, like Carl mentioned, I, I don't plan on being here all afternoon. Um, but I do want to just walk through this psalm and, and just see some practical truths from it. Let's uh, read Psalm 111, verses 1 through 3 to begin with. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all of my heart, in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. So as we seek to live uh, in a way that praises God publicly and, and we're passionate because, I don't know about you, but there's very few things that I want to talk about publicly that I don't actually enjoy, right? I mean, we're not going to probably go and, I'm not going to go to Russ and share with him things that I don't actually, it's a lot easier for me to go share with Russ things in my life that I actually enjoy rather than things I don't enjoy, right? Um, you know, I, when I was dating Liz, and I found out that her dad was very mechanical and could fix cars and all those kinds of things. To be honest, I didn't care about talking about any of that because I am not naturally that way at all. But I knew if I wanted to marry Liz, I'd have to at least act like I cared. No, I'm just joking. And, it, and Dad, if you're watching this, I was joking. Um, but when we think about praising the Lord and we think about it, it, it should be something that just flows off of our mouth. Because there's just something exciting about God. God is just exciting. I think sometimes we as Christians, we, we, we are afraid to just get excited. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we walk around like our, our dog just died. And I, and I love dogs. But seriously, we should be more excited about the Lord than anything. And, and we should just flow off of, from us. And the psalmist here, he begins by just simply stating, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord. You know, we sing, the, the kids sing, praise ye the Lord, hallelujah. You know, is that how, do we get excited? I mean, I've worked at camp and I've worked at VBSs and I can get kids all ramped up over that song. Where they don't, they're just yelling. They have no clue what they're yelling. They're just yelling to be louder than the other group. But is that, is that our heart? Is our heart screaming, praise the Lord? Even in times of struggle is our heart screaming, praise the Lord. And, and so the psalmist here says, praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord. He says, I will give thanks to the Lord. This, the psalmist here is just simply stating, he is grateful to the Lord. He, 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 there's something that he's grateful for and he's going about to list why he's grateful and what he's grateful for. He says, praise the Lord, I am going to give thanks to the Lord. And then he gives how he's going to give thanks to the Lord. 
with all of my heart. There's passion there. There's dedication there. There's no, they're not holding back any punches, so to speak. The psalmist is saying, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to give thanks to the Lord with all of my heart. The seed of your affections. With all of your passion. He was not ashamed of God's works. Because look at verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord. Isn't what God does great? We find it hard sometimes to think about how God's works, though, are great sometimes. Because it doesn't line up with what we think is great. Like, how can God be working? How can God's work be great when this is going on or this is going on? I mean, we look at the world, and, and Paul, and Paul tells you that that's what happens when you preach that close to your morning sermon. Um, but the psalmist, when, when the psalmist is saying, it wasn't the easiest life. They didn't, it wasn't like always plush for them. And so we, we look at the psalmist saying, great are the works of the Lord. Not only great are the works of the Lord, they are studied by all who delight in them. When I was studying this week, this part kind of got me. So we look at around, and we look at the work of the Lord, and we work out, see how God's working in people and circumstances in, in, uh, in, you, can, you name it, we could have a long list of how God works. But as we look at it, it says, Great are the works of the Lord, but do we just take time to just sit back and study them? Kind of goes back to this morning. Do we just study? Do we just want to know more about, is, is God's work, because I don't want you, but sometimes God's working, and I don't understand what he's doing. It might be the most amazing thing, and I still don't understand what he's doing. I'll use a perfect, an illustration of this, and, and I'm so thankful for Phil and his generosity, but I still don't have my car. It's still in Pennsylvania. Okay? And this verse came to my mind. <laughs> Great are the works of the Lord. Now, why in the world would I, in my thinking, why did God allow me, first of all, not me to hit the deer, the deer hit me, but why in the world did God allow the last week of December, right before Christmas, a deer to jump out in front of me at midnight? And not only did he do that, he did a huge amount of damage to the car. My kids are screaming in the car. They still talk about it. <laughs> Ella wanted to name the deer the next day. And I was like, well, what do you want to name it? And she said, Bambi. I was like, okay. But we have this and, and, I'm, and I'm this whole time, over this last month, I'm almost going on two months now, it's, it's been, Lord, what are you doing? I know you're great, and I know your works are great, I know what you do is great, but it's hard for me to really want to sit there and study, Lord, what are you doing here? I just want my car. I just, I, I, but don't we do that? So we, just, we, we see the works of the Lord, but we don't take the time to, to study it. Lord, what is it that you're doing? More so, Lord, do we get excited to dive into what God is doing? And it's really a strong and definitive statement. The word great here speaks of something high and noticeable. The idea of great are the works of the Lord, it's, they're high, they're noticeable. It, God's works are hard not to notice, right? And you know, we study things because we want to know more about them. We want to seek to understand it. We marvel at it. 
The more you and I investigate God's works, the more we marvel and the more we have reason to praise God. The more we have reason to praise God. And he gets a little more specific in verse 3. He says, splendid. So he talks about the idea of studying. Do we delight really? So really, study and delight goes together. I have yet to, unless I really had to get a grade in school, I never have studied something that I really don't like delight in. It doesn't last. As soon as that test is over, I'm done studying it. If I don't like it. If I like it, I'll keep studying it. You know, you, I can throw out sports stats to you. Why? Because I enjoy it. So when it comes to studying, there's this idea of delight. He delights in the works of the Lord. And not only that, then it says he, then he states again, splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. Here in verse 3, it further describes in detail the works of God. They are described as full of splendor and majesty. The word for splendor can also be translated power, glory, radiant. When I think of mountains, I think of the word, of sp- the word splendor. When I lived out in Seattle, Washington area, and I saw Mount Rainier on a clear day, which was about maybe a month and a half out of the year, but we saw the mountain, it was, whoa, wow. For a one-year anniversary, I took Liz and I, and we got a cabin at the base of Mount Rainier. And during the day, we drove up to about 5,300 feet and we walked around and there's a spot where you could see the cap clearly with prairie, well, it was still snow-covered, but prairies up there and you could see the snow-capped part of Mount Rainier. And I remember standing there and just being awed and saying, God made that. That's this idea of splendid. It's, it's, it's in majesty. It's this idea of adornment. God's works reveal God's power and His character. And, one, and God is magnificent and so are His works. They are awesome. One commentator said this, he said, He who has pleasure in the works of the Lord always turns to them in a renewed search. They remain to Him ever new and great, wonderful and worthy, deserving of study and most precious, affording an assurance a divine help, and being a cause why the pious yield themselves to God in the lasting objects of their praise. But he who has pleasure in the works of the Lord always turns to them in a renewed search. They're always new and great to us. They're always new and great to us. And then in verses 4 through 9, we see that we praise God for his amazing works. The psalmist goes on and starts to detail some of God's works. So in verse 4, we see that he has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. God's works are so great and marvelous that they are not easily forgotten. We are a forgetful people. <laughs> we are such a forgetful people. And, and when it comes to the Lord working, it's, it, it's easy for us just to forget. He'll do something great and then within two weeks, we don't even remember. We, we faintly remember. A month later, we don't, it's really not even on our minds. 
I kind of liken it to the idea of, you know, how not the exact same thing, but the idea of a, a major tragedy like 9-11. How many people were saying, praise God, God bless America, and God was more on people's minds than we had seen in a while, right? Whether it was sincere, insincere, understanding or not. But what happened over a period of time? There was forgetfulness, right? We forget what God has done all too often. And I'm not just talking about the big things. Even the small things. The little things that God does in our lives. The little pick-me-ups that you get. Maybe it's that text message from a friend that's just a, a spiritual uplifting time. You know that's God working in your life? Do you remember that? Do you hold on to it and say, wow, do you then publicly praise God for it? The word the psalmist uses for remembered is this idea of a memorial or a commemoration. So when he's saying he has made his wonders to be remembered, do we set God's works up? Do we praise God as putting up like a memorial? In many ways, what did we just do? We memorialized, if I can use that word, what Christ did for us on the cross, the greatest work that Christ has ever done for us. A memorial. What did Israel do? So thinking of the the context of of the original author here, what would have he thought of when he's thinking of the word memorial or this idea of remembering? What would some things be that the psalmist would be remembering? He'd be remembering them crossing the Jordan River and setting up a memorial. Perhaps they even remember back to when Noah got off the ark and built a what? A sacrifice, but it was as a what? A memorial. Our praise to the Lord is a way of setting up, so to speak, a memorial of what God has done. It's helping one another remember what God has done. says he made his wonders to be remembered the lord is gracious and compassionate god is merciful and gracious to let us see and experience his great and marvelous works isn't god just just think about what even just this building is a is a memorial for what god has done how many bills do we still owe on this building zero That's called God working through a local church. And at times in spite of ourselves. That's God's work. That wasn't, yes, he used us to to pay off those bills, but where did all of that come from, ultimately? God. But Don't raise your hand, but how often when you come to church, Do you think about that? That we don't owe anything on this property. And the freedom that allows us to have for ministry purposes. I'm glad the mortgage is paid off. I won't be here. That was God working. And I say that kind of joking and fun, but God was working. God knew 
his plan for First Baptist Church of Sterling Heights. So in a way, this building is a memorial to what God wants to do and what God is doing. And his work in your life. And, and you could even say that though we don't worship the building, we don't worship the church of soul, but many of you have been here for years, upon years, like Jerry. But many of you have been here for years, and those who you, of you who haven't been here for years, there's still, you can see, and what is God doing in you, using this ministry to work in your life? Do you just praise God publicly and, and thank God for it and, and, and talk about it with people and what God is doing? Verse 5, he says, He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. One principle I just want to take from this couple, but first of all, God provides. God provides for our physical sustenance. I love that God provides for my physical sustenance. I love food. I love that he allows me to to go out on the basketball court on Tuesday night with a bunch of unsaved men and play basketball and build relationships with them. I love that I can go out in the snow and, and play with my kids. God provides for us. He promised to Israel that he would never leave or forsake them. Isaiah 56, 3 says, What time I am afraid, I will what? Trust in thee. Implying what? That God will not forsake us. In Psalms, it says what? Keep our minds stayed on him because what? We, we trust in him. He will never leave or forsake us. God's character hasn't changed and just as he was with Israel, he is with us today. You know, he promised to Israel that he would never leave them. He made a covenant with them. You know, he's made a covenant with us today. It's called salvation. And 1 Corinthians 11, what does it say? This is my new covenant in my blood. Do you just talk about salvation? Talk about how God saved you and what he's done in, in your life. Do you look for opportunities to spin the conversation that way? It's an awesome work of God. Because God will never forget the promise he made to us. And then verse 6. He has made known to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. This was an interesting verse. And here the psalmist is referring back to all the memorials that Abraham and others built to remember God's works. They did so in order for the following generations would then remember God's works. What are we doing to set up for the next generation to remember what God has done? What are we doing to let those that come after us know what God has done in our lives, as our lives as a church? There's only really two ways, really, that they could have done it back then. Set up maybe a physical memorial and then 
oral tradition, right? You know how many ways we can do it today? <laughs> There's so many avenues of ways of, of passing down tradition. And I'm not even talking tradition, but just our heritage of God. You know, maybe it's writing out in a journal what God's done in your life over the last 40 years, 50 years, 20, 30 years. Maybe it's something like, maybe you like to blog, I don't know. (laughs) Sharing, using social media to share the works of the Lord rather than our everyday life, more so than our everyday life of the thing. Just share what God's doing. That's more encouraging than knowing whether or not you went out to eat. (laughs) I'm being a little facetious a little bit. We need to never forget God's works. God is always working and we need to make sure we do not look past those who have come before us. And for someone like myself who there are those in this room that have gone before me. I need to look to you guys to learn. How does God work? How has God worked? How can I be encouraged from you? Psalm 111, verse 7 says, The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. God is faithful. Everything he does is true and sure. Has anybody ever done a job for you and you wonder if they're actually going to get it done right? I'm starting to wonder if that body shop knows how to fix my car. They keep saying it's the the parts coming in are broken. God is dependable and so is his word. What a comfort for us to know that he is dependable. God is such a dependable person. person. He is a person. God is so dependable. Everything God does is true and fair and what a, what, what a wonderful thing to praise for. Praising the Lord for his fairness in my life. Now, his fairness in my life may not be what I think is fair. But that's not, that doesn't matter what I think is fair. It's why, I mean, that's the world we live in. Everyone thinks their own thing is fair. (laughs) What's ever right in their own eyes? We really are in the day of the judges. We all thought postmodernism was new. Nothing God says can be nor should be doubted. And then Psalm 111, verse 8, moving on. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. Again, carrying on this idea that they're dependable, but they're everlasting. God's works are everlasting. God never does not fulfill what he has promised to do. He always will fulfill it. The prophet Jeremiah understood this truth even in the middle of immense struggles in his own personal and ministry life. If you don't know the story of Jeremiah, if you can imagine Jeremiah, put yourself in his shoes. 
He was, asked, he was called by God to go do something, to go preach, to go teach, to go proclaim a message. And he told Jeremiah before he went, he's like, but Jeremiah, just to let you know, they're not going to repent. They're not going to change. If God ever called me to a church like that, that would be the most depressing ministry ever. I, I would say no. I don't care if it was 100% call. No, Lord, please don't send me there. But what did Jeremiah do? He went. What happened to Jeremiah? Thrown into a pit because they hated him. And yet, in the book of Lamentations, that we have a song, a hymn that has been written on it. What did he say? Great is your faithfulness. What a thing to praise the Lord for, right? That his works are faithful. His works are faithful. In verse 9, he has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the first part but we know that God one day will completely redeem. There will be a level of redemption of the nation of Israel. There was an aspect of the remnant that was returned to the nation of Israel. A level of salvation, national salvation there. But he has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. You know, God has given us salvation. But I want to go to the end of this verse as it leans into our last point for the evening. But it says, Holy and awesome is His name. God is separate from us. And we can praise God for that. I'm glad that He is so much greater than us. As many times I've seen the word awesome in, in the text and not just this passage, but other passages throughout the Bible. You know, one thing I've, this is just a practical thing in my own life that I've started to question is how often I should use the word awesome for anything else. I'm saying it's wrong too. But if we're going to go say that, you know, I was watching skiing with Liz in the Olympics the other night. And they were, or the snowboarding, and they were, you know, going up on the rails and all that kind of stuff. And, flipping around in the air and all that. And a lot of us would be like, awesome. But that word gets a little bit watered down when we start and take it from there to our God is awesome. No, our God is awesome. Because then our third point kind of works off of that Praise God through loyal obedience. Verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. We have a better understanding of God's works as we obey Him. To fear God is to obey God. To fear God is to revere God. It's to look at His works and say, Those are awesome. It's a loyal obedience. This holy, awesome God that we have is to be feared. 
And the psalmist begins by saying, praise the Lord, I am going to give thanks to the Lord in the public places, not just, not just in private, but he, he's going to the assembly. In fact, he not only, he goes and he, I didn't mention this earlier, but he says, in the company of the upright. So there's a small group of people that he goes to. People who were righteous, that were upright, and, and he's praising the Lord. He just can't keep his mouth shut. And he can't, and he can't keep his mouth shut so much that he, he doesn't just stop there. He goes to the big group, the assembly, and he says, God is amazing. Praise him. Let's give thanks to him for da 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 da. And the list can go on. We are to praise God continually. And one way of praising God is obeying God. Because praise is just giving God his worth. It's, 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 it's lifting him up. And our obedience to him lifts God up. It glorifies God. It shows the right opinion of God. Are you loyal to him? See, God's works show God's character. And together they provide ample reasons to praise God. They remove any excuse not to live obediently. So this afternoon, how often is the praise of the Lord on your lips? How public are you with praising God? I would encourage all of us to strive and ask God today that more and more of your conversation becomes about praising God. And just talking about how God is working is praising Him. But even just sitting and just listing off who God is can be fun. And that can be. It is fun. But is the praise of the Lord on your lips? Because remember, our main point this, this afternoon is that we need to be living passionately and publicly praising our great God. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I thank you for this afternoon. Lord, I thank you for this text. We took a very simple view of it, kind of really a bird's eye view of it. But Lord, your works are great. And Lord, that we would just leave this afternoon with hearts full of wanting to praise you and for what you have done. In your name we pray, amen.